0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Vita Podcast, where we help educate military veterans and their spouses on opportunities in Web3. Our plan is to host a series of industry leaders, many of whom are veterans or spouses themselves, so that we can learn about their journey down the crypto rabbit hole, while understanding opportunities for transitioning veterans in the industry. I'm Chris Perkins, president of CoinFund. I'm a combat Marine veteran who spent 15 years on Wall Street before transitioning into the crypto space. And before we begin, I would like to thank our sponsor, Luca, who's dedicated their time and and resources to make this podcast possible. For our 26th episode, we'll be speaking with US Navy veteran, Chris Zola, who works as director of sales at Bitwave. Hello, Chris. Hey, how's it going, Chris? Good to meet you. Good to meet you too. So uh, we'd love to start off with your background. Tell us how it all began. Going all the way
1: back, uh, I was in high school and I actually decided to sign up for the Navy um, on my 18th birthday, and maybe going a step previous to that, um, I actually wanted to join the Marine Corps at first. And my dad uh, was like, you know, hey, if you're going to do it, I want you to check out all the branches. And so, talk to the Marine Corps, talk to the Air Force, talk to Army, talk to the Navy. And um, honestly, what really appealed to me was Naval Special Warfare. And so, I came back to my dad and I said, hey, uh, I think I'm going to go to the Navy. I want to be a Navy SEAL. And uh, he was like. Well, that's more concerning than being in Marine Corps. frontline. <laughs> front line. So it was kind of a funny thing. but, um, So, yeah, so I, I signed up on my 18th birthday. I was still in high school, finished out high school, and then shipped out, you know, right after. And then, like, kind of like a, I guess an abbreviated version. We can dig into it if yeah. you want. But um, basically went through um, some of the, you know, naval special warfare training. Didn't make it all the way. Um, got involuntary reclassified as a uh, culinary specialist so I was a cook. Uh, so I went to culinary a school which actually was kind of fun learning how to cook and um, it's it's funny because you know the military has like a stigma against cooks and like the food that you get in the military because it's not great and uh, it was so funny to me because in culinary a school like we learned how to make everything from scratch you know actually cook and then when we get to the ship, They said, you know, here's a can of collard greens, open it up, heat it up, put it in the pan, you're good to go. And I was like, well, where's the seasoning and the ham hocks? And like, I don't know, we don't don't have all that. Um, So that was kind of a culture shock. Um, And I guess, too, going from like the special warfare community into regular Navy um, was a huge culture shock. Um, So when I got to the boat, I basically told them, hey, I really, I don't really want to be a cook. Like, this is where I came from. This is what I wanted to do. And I said, well, too bad, number one. But number two, uh, get your quals, and then we have a spot on our VBSS team, which you could probably apply for. So um, got on that team, which is pretty cool. VBSS,
0: that's boarding, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, visit board, search, and seizure. So just a a small tactical team on the ship that responded to, like, security incidents or boarded other boats um, while deployed. So, uh, yeah, so I got to have some fun doing that, and then – I guess to give you like the overview, uh, did my four active, four reserve, uh, and got out. So yeah, that's my that's my career.
0: Thank you. Um, my experience, the cooks were some of the hardest working people that I ever served with. I mean, you have to get up well, before everybody else, right? And then it's it's a really hard job. Would Would you agree?
1: Yeah, totally. So it's actually interesting. I didn't realize this till I got to the boat. There's a bunch of different jobs within the cook hierarchy chain of command. And um, there's the cook on watch, which is like your everyday cooking things. There's your watch captain, which is supervising stuff. And then there's your night baker, who basically works a graveyard shift to make stuff for the next day, like bread and desserts, things like that. And then there was, uh, we called it the jack of the dust. I think, I don't know what the actual term is, but it's the person who managed the inventories and stacked boxes all day and gave the food to the galley so that they could cook. And so I actually got promoted not in rank but in job from cook on watch to night baker so on my first deployment um i actually worked nights every single night it's hard um and it was it was tough man because we would uh being in the navy you know i'd go to sleep and i'd wake up and it'd be opposite times yeah and uh there'd be times where i'd wake up at 5 p.m and we're pulling into port and everybody's ready to go out and you know have dinner and i'm just waking up yeah um so that was interesting it was a lot of fun
0: yeah, yeah, I've I've done that too. I had the night watch. It's not an easy thing to do. So, thank yeah. you for your service. Um, and you did a yeah. couple of deployments. Where, they, where Where were they?
1: Yeah. So the first one, I did two, uh, and then like you know multiple underways because the navy's always training. But, um, two two main deployments. One was uh, I guess it was called like a NATO cruise. We we mainly toured Europe, and we did a bunch of war games with um, you know NATO allies. Um, so you know, a bunch of countries were there. We, you know, tested our equipment, did all that good stuff. And that was like a, I think that turned into like an eight month deployment or so. It was supposed to be six, turned into eight. Um, we had to dodge a hurricane, uh, coming back where I, I was stationed in Florida. And then my second deployment was uh fifth fleet. So we were in, um, um, you know, over there off the coast of, uh, Iran and whatnot for, uh, supporting the enterprise carrier strike group that were, you know, doing missions into. Afghanistan or wherever so
0: so so cooking by night EBSS by day boarding boarding ships um hey sounds like an adventure
1: yeah it was fun it was a lot of fun it was uh it was one of those things you never know what the day was going to bring you're just doing your normal thing and then they come over the the one mc and say you know muster the EBSS team and the aft pilot staging like oh I gotta gear up gotta go guys you know so that's pretty cool it was uh it was fun yeah
0: Awesome. So tell us about your transition. You you did your four years, uh, then it was time to go. What what happened next?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I guess this kind of goes into the, maybe I'll I'll start with getting out of the military. Um, I really, my goal was to go back. I wanted to go back to Naval Special Warfare. Um, I did not want to just not try again. And um, long story short, I actually didn't make it because of my run times. I failed a four mile timed run by two seconds. And I was like, I can beat that, right? But it is what it is. Um, and so my goal was to go back. Um, during my VBSS training, I actually met uh, a seal who had gotten out after six years, which really surprised me um, because most times seals stay in for a while. Like it's hard to get, so they, they get it and they stay in. I remember asking him, I was like, hey, you know, why'd you get out? And he said, you know, I got two kids. I've been in six years. I've probably been home six months. Yeah. And um, I was like, man. And one of my goals in life was to have a family and um that was like the first thing that kind of stuck in my brain is like man this is a this is tough on the marriage you know there's a huge huge divorce rate in the military and there's a reason why but um the second thing was on my my last deployment i hadn't decided if i was going to get out yet one of the officers that i was friends with um he went out to the the base and came back i was on watch so i couldn't leave the boat And I remember I asked him, I was like, hey, how was the the Skype center? This was back when Skype was the thing. And uh, he says, oh, it was great. I got to see my son, and he recognized my face. And I was like, man, that's tough. Like, I don't want my kids to question, like, who their dad is, you know? So so I was like, you know what? Maybe this isn't the life for me. So I decided to get out. Um, I really didn't have a direction, we'll say. Um, I was not a great student in high school. And so that was you know my, my education up to that point. But I was like, okay, if I figured out the military, if I got my ESWAS pins, my qualifications, like I can go to college and I can figure it out. So uh, the other part of that was, I didn't really wanna pay for college. And that's not why I signed up for the military, but being that you get the GI bill, I was like, I'd be dumb not to, right? So got out, <clears throat> went to, to college here in uh, Jacksonville, Florida, University of North Florida. And uh, got a bachelor's degree in business, um, which is pretty pretty basic, um, but I felt like gave me the most um, options out of college to do whatever I wanted to do. And uh, so, yeah, so did that, got my degree, wound up uh, meeting a girl who's from Jacksonville and had a really good friend uh, that worked at a company called FIS, um, which is Fidelity Information Systems. And... Uh, they're a large Fortune 500 company headquartered in Jacksonville.
0: They're huge. I they know really well. They like dominate global finance. It's the one company you never heard of that runs global finance.
1: Yeah, it's so interesting. You know of them? It's it's one of those things. When I was working there, you know, if you knew FIS, you knew them. If you didn't, all you had to say was, "Yeah, you know, you buy something on the iTunes store, and like you're using FIS, right?" Um, and so it was really interesting for me to like be diving into that world of banking and finance and whatnot and um so i I did that and i went up on a a sales team selling accounts payable software uh sas um and i was there for about six years or so and then i came over to bitwave uh just about two years ago now uh from fis so yeah how'd you get into crypto i think it started prior to bitwave where i was just doing some basic stuff um I was really interested in Ethereum and obviously Bitcoin because it was like the hot two. Um, So I just started buying some, nothing crazy, just little bits here and there from each paycheck I made. Um, And then I think I really got interested in NFTs. It really really kind of took off and I went down the rabbit hole. Um, I started buying NFTs here and there. um, Honestly, ones that have no value, like they weren't worth anything. I just thought they looked cool. And I liked the fact that I owned them and like there was proof of that. Um, and then I think past that, um, I kind of got into the DeFi rabbit hole, um, when Luna was obviously, you know, booming, um, I was in several different liquidity pools and I was doing a bunch of things with Luna, which was a lot of fun until it wasn't.
0: (laughs) Tell us about Bitwave.
1: Yeah, Bitwave. Um, we are a, uh, digital asset, um, accounting platform for companies that are using crypto essentially. So... We focus more upmarket on the enterprise side. Um, So, for example, like some of our clients are, you know, Coinbase or OpenSea is a client. And we help companies account for, track, automate, and make all their um, accounting processes auditable. And so what's really cool for me is that, you know, I believe in crypto, number one, because I I work at a company and I think it's cool and I think it's the future. Um, But also you have, you know, crypto native companies that are doing this each and every day. And we're starting to see more adoption on the traditional corporation side, which is really exciting. So companies like, you know, Nike that are selling sneakers on the metaverse or same thing with like Adidas um, or even, you know, GameStop when they were doing stuff too. So Um, and then right now in in recent news, obviously like BlackRock filing for ETF. So I think um, I think it's really interesting and like a a good point for our country and just technology of, you know, the way things are changing in my opinion for the better bringing crypto more to light with you know everyday use versus just like a crypto native stuff so
0: makes total sense man yeah so so tell me about a typical day as a director of sales what do you do
1: yeah great great question um every day is different which is probably why i like bitwave um and you know similar to the military i don't know what's going to happen right um this morning i was on a call with uh, to somebody that does uh bitcoin lending um i had another call after that that does nft uh they create nft projects um i was on another call with a DeFi protocol so for me it's knowing the industry well enough um and i guess being in the industry enough to be able to speak to each one of those different facets of web3 but for me it's like you know waking up starting my day um obviously you know I go work out. That's probably primary thing, number one, to set my set my day right. And then number two, it's really planning out, you know, who am I going to target today? Who am I reaching out to? What partners am I going to chat with? And then what meetings do I have? Um, so there's never a dull moment. Each person I talk to is doing something different in, in crypto. Um, but the common denominator is they're all using digital assets. They're all looking for a way to automate their accounting process and make it scalable. And so, um, yeah, that's kind of what keeps me going every morning.
0: That's awesome. So you were able to go from, you know, being a a cookie in in the Navy, you got into FIS, started learning about financial services, kind of really dove into the tech, touched it, felt it, smelled it, like got your hands on it. I imagine that helped get you, make that transition from from FIS into crypto. What advice would you give to a transitioning vet today who's trying to get into crypto? What would you tell them to do?
1: Yeah, great question. so I think yes, number one, you're correct. When I was at FIS, I was in the accounts payable world, and um, I think the number one thing that probably landed me where I'm at today um, is just never stop learning. Um, I, I had this kind of nerdy motto um, that I, I believe, and it's it's called fun, knowledge, money. Um, and I like I want to have fun wherever I'm working. I want to be learning things or teaching others, and then I want to be paid well for it. Right, so. Um, when, when I, when I find for myself that those three boxes are checked, like I'm happy if, if one of those boxes doesn't get checked, if the, if the, the triangle collapses on one side, then they all collapse, right? Like I'm making great money and I'm learning things. I'm not having fun. Then like, I don't really want to work there. Um, so being a transitioning vet, I think you have to ask yourself those questions, or at least I did, um, you know, what makes me happy? What do I want to do? And then, you know, where does it fit within like, you know, my lifestyle, And then I think the last thing that suddenly kind of fits outside of that, that I think just everybody should do is just network, 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 network. Um, There's, you know, tons of veteran circles that you can be in um, or not if you choose to, but it's like, you know, we've all been there and done that. And so we're all here to help each other, in my opinion. And um, I think in the veteran community specifically, Vet versus non-vet. I will go out of my way to help a vet, right? And so I think if you leverage that a little bit, um, it can definitely open up a lot of doors.
0: I love it, man. Fun, knowledge, and money—the three things yeah. that everybody needs more of. Frankly, yeah. I never heard that yeah. before. That, that's pretty, uh, pretty damn impressive. I love it. What skill sets do you think people should try to develop? You know, you talked about networking, but like, what? Like, do you think that coding background? So you want to get into crypto? You're a vet. Um, look. The jobs are as diverse as you could imagine, right? whether you're a sales rep or, a, or an engineer, uh, based on what you see out there, what what advice would you give? what What skills should somebody develop if they if they want to get into the space?
1: This kind of fits into the knowledge piece a little bit. I think if you have a niche that you're good at, like whether it's engineering or being a people person or whatever, like lean into that.. Yeah. Um, as far as like the actual skill system, like how to do it, there are so many different resources available just online where you can learn about crypto, about DeFi, about NFTs. And what I did when I first started getting into it was just soaking all of that up. Um, so I think if it's like, hey, I wanna go work at this protocol, I will learn any and everything I can about protocols. I think this is everybody in the military, or at least should be, um, is to have a, a GSD mindset, like a, a get stuff done mindset,
0: yeah.
1: where you, know, you have to be in charge of making things happen Um, Or else they just won't and whether that's like I said, you're in sales and you want to go find a deal or you're an engineer and you want to figure a problem out um, You got to make it happen. And so I don't know if you can really Teach that per se. Yeah, but I think that's a huge skill set to have
0: it's a lot of fun There's a lot of of like innovation and knowledge. I mean I mean I learn something every single day in the seat. This industry is moving so fast There's so many smart people in it. It's insane And then uh, hopefully, um, you know, we can all be in a position to make a lot of money. Um, So I I, I still love that. All right. You talked about institutional adoption, some of the work you're doing. What else gets you excited about Web3? Are there particular verticals? Like NFTs have come way down. Uh, Maybe they're back trending back up. Maybe with some incremental functionality. Like what what gets you excited about the future in this space?
1: Yeah, I I really, I'm really fired up. I think NFTs are back on the rise and... I will say that selfishly because I was just airdropped a ton of tokens because I had some NFTs. So that was exciting. Um, that were worth, you know, a sizable amount, which was cool. Wow. Um,
0: which would so yeah. Did you, so, yeah, you it, share the project?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's called, uh, it's called grapes and it's, uh, backed by Animoca brands. And oh, that's great. long story short, um, we're like potentially working with Animoca and, um, it's, you know, not, not official or anything, but we, uh, I was, you know, I'm the kind of person that's like, hey, if I'm going to be working with somebody, I want to support their stuff, right? And so I found a project that was, you know, about to mint and I minted a couple grapes and that was like back in May of last year and I kind of forgot about it. And I was at a networking event a couple weeks ago here in Jacksonville and I was talking to a guy who was in crypto and he said something and we were showing each other NFTs and he's like, oh, you have some grapes? And I was like, yeah, you know, I minted them a while back and gave him the same story. And he says, dude, they're, they're worth like three ETH right now. Wow. And I was like, each one? And he's like, yeah. I was like, I minted them for $30. And he said, well, dude, on top of that, he says, literally tomorrow, they're doing a, an airdrop, a token. They're launching a token. And if you have original, if you're an original holder, like you'll be airdropped some tokens. You just got to go claim them. And so number one, if I don't go to this event, if I don't talk to this guy, like I don't know that. And if I'm not in Discord learning, talking, chatting with people... I miss out on that. So it's so interesting how fast things move, especially with crypto. Um, so anyways, I'm, I'm really bullish on NFTs. I think they're a huge catalyst for companies um, kind of dipping their toes into Web3. Because what we find, at least at BitWave, um, you don't have a company like, we'll just, we'll just take Nike for an example. You don't have a company like Nike that's like, hey, you know what? We're just going to buy a bunch of Bitcoin and invest in, in crypto. Um, they acquire a company that sells sneakers in the metaverse. And all of a sudden, they have Ethereum revenue. And so now they're like, oh, wow, we're into the crypto world. And we didn't even know it, right? And so I think all these companies like L'Oreal, Adidas, Louis Vuitton, um, they're all starting with NFTs. So I think that's the real easy way to get into crypto for, for big companies. Unless, obviously, you're, you know, like JP Morgan that's, you know, launching their own token or something. But And then I think the second thing that gets me real fired up is like, I guess you consider DeFi, maybe not, but just like interoperability stuff um, where you can, you know, swap tokens back and forth from chains, which, you know, a couple of years ago was like hard to do. Um, and just the other day, for an example, the airdrop tokens I got, they were on the Binance Smart Chain. And I went to, um, uh, I think it was like Jump Trader. I can't remember. There's so many. Um, and basically swapped it to uh, Ethereum, just like that. And um, I don't know, it's just something that's kind of neat that I think is really cool that you can kind of move money around instantly like that. I think that's really, really neat. And I think not to get like too political at all, but I think a lot of the issues that we have like in our government um, revolves around things not being public. And the purpose of blockchain is a public distributed ledger where you can trace everything back to its root. And so it's neat to be able to see that like on a block explorer, and say, like, oh, I can see where, you know, I sent my money from here to here and then I swapped it for this and then I sent it to this wallet and this is where I cashed it out. Um, so I really like that. It really gets me excited. It's
0: pretty awesome. Did you know that the CFO of Animoca is a vet?
1: I did, actually. Yeah. Jared yeah, Jared. yeah. He's I a great, do.
0: great guy. Jared? Yeah. Really, Jared. really awesome guy. So, like, there are vets everywhere in the space and it's just, a, it's important that, like, you, We have a great network. Sometimes we don't even realize it. That's one of the purposes of this entire Vita initiative is to bring us all together so that we can help transitioning folks out. All right. Um, Any, any last advice that you'd give a transitioning vet? Yeah, I would
1: say be flexible, but have a plan, um, which is, is tough to do. Um, And the reason I say that is like, if you don't have a plan, I feel like you're destined to fail. But if you do have a plan, but you're able to adapt and change it, um with whatever happens you'll be in a better spot and so I'm just speaking from my own experience you know like I said getting out like I didn't even know what I wanted to do no clue I wanted to be a SEAL since I was 16 and that didn't work out um and so I went and got a basic degree and said okay what am I good at and you know fast forward whatever 10 years I've been out now um you know life's great so I think that'd probably be my biggest advice is have a plan and adapt to it if it needs to change
0: Sounds good. So tell us about hiring. Are you guys hiring at all on your team at BitWave?
1: Yeah, we are. Um, We actually have a spot open right now for uh, an institutional sales rep. And I think um, we're always hiring engineers, which I think everybody is. But yeah, so we're seeing more of a, like I said, adoption on the institutional side. So we're trying to get more coverage there. Um, And business is good. So. Um, yeah, if you're interested, shoot me a note, I'm happy to, happy to chat with anybody.
0: Right. And what would you be looking for, you know, if, if a veteran came and applied for that, that sales job and you're interviewing them? What, 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 how would they, what, how can they present well?
1: I think for us, it's a little interesting because it's, it is a niche space. Um, we would definitely want somebody that has, I think, you know, crypto experience or interest. And the reason I say that is because if you have experience, then, like, great, you're interested. If you don't have experience, but you're interested, like, you can get the experience. Um, and I know that's tough because a lot of places like will rule you out if you don't have any experience and like we're not that way. So awesome. um, show a passion for something and a willingness to learn um, and that checks that box. I think the second thing for me, especially like especially when I interview people, um, the GSD mindset, the get stuff done mindset is, is like top of mind for me. Um, so like if I talk to a, a person that's interviewing and I ask them, hey, tell me about a time when you you know had a deal that you were working and you needed to you know, navigate through different orgs to figure out who does what and, like, map out a close plan. And, you know, if the answer is, like, yeah, you know, I had one person I talked to and, like, you know, we really couldn't, you know, figure it out, or um, maybe the answer is I had one person that we're working with and we had to navigate to a couple different orgs um, and this is how I did it and this is the challenge I faced and this is how we overcame it, like, that goes a long way. I think those would probably be my top two. And then for the institutional side, specifically, that we're actually hiring for, Um, working with large companies is, is a huge plus coming from like a, a company like FIS, like I got that experience working with like big companies like Verizon and Walgreens and Walmart and things like that. And that strategic selling aspect is a lot different than doing a, you know, two call close kind of thing where you actually have to map out different orgs and have different stakeholders and things like that. So I think for me, being able to demonstrate that specifically is huge. And I know that doesn't really apply to like every job, but um, specifically what we're doing, that's, that's what we're
0: looking for. Awesome advice, man. Uh, and Chris, how can people connect with you?
1: Yeah, um, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, I think you can just search me, Chris Zola. I'm on uh, Telegram as a Lumberhawk, and that's <laughs> lumbar, like your, like your lower back. Um, that was my gamer tag back in the day that was auto-generated by Xbox uh, back in 2000-whatever. Uh, so yeah, Lumberhawk is my uh, my telegram handle. Uh, I'm also on Discord. I think it's just 1691 as my as my handle. Um, and then you can always just shoot me an email, chris.zola at bitwave.io. Um, happy to chat with anybody.
0: Awesome, Chris. Really, really appreciate you coming on today. Um, awesome insights, great discussion, and we're lucky to have a veteran like you in the space. Uh, also wanted to thank our sponsor, Luca. Uh, we couldn't do this without them. And uh, thanks for the team, Rudy and the team, for helping us out there. Uh, if you're interested in learning more about Vita, uh, please connect with us on LinkedIn or Twitter. If you have ideas about who else we should feature on the show, please reach out to me on Twitter as well at perkincr 97 Thanks again, Chris.
1: Thanks, Chris.